Our guest today is Dr. Joseph Bianco. Dr. Bianco is a family medicine physician practicing in Ely, Minnesota at the Ely Clinic, which is part of Essentia Health, an integrated health system serving patients in Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, and Idaho. Dr. Bianco will be speaking at the fifth annual Patient Experience Summit hosted by the Cleveland Clinic from May 18th through the 21st. Dr. Bianco will be presenting a session at the summit along with his colleague, Amy Vanderschuren, and one of his patients on the topic of patient and family advisory councils harvesting the collective patient experience. Dr. Bianco, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. What exactly is a patient and family advisory council and uh, what is its purpose? Uh, patient and family advisory councils um, are organized as patients and families who receive their care at a particular health institution, who regularly meet with healthcare workers, administrative and operational leaders, physicians, and other staff me- me- uh, members. Uh, they discuss healthcare from the patient and family members' uh, point of view. Um, feedback is is generated by the patient and the family advisory councils. It's used to help us with decisions um, uh, in regard to various topics like healthcare design, delivery models, educational and marketing materials, um, facilities planning. Uh, we also really rely on them uh, quite a bit for our work in improving our quality and improving our safety in our clinics and, and in our hospitals. These councils um, can serve at various levels of the organization. They can be for the general organization. Uh, we have a council within our Department of Primary Care uh, that uh, that advises us just in our primary care model and our primary care delivery. But these councils can also be much more granular, going into a specific um, section of our organization, such as the pediatric section or the NICU section or the um, intensive care sections. And because we're an we're a, uh, integrated health system spread out across a large geographic area with many rural clinics, uh, there are councils at many of these um, rural clinics as well. Well, how do you go about selecting and assembling a patient and family advisory council? And and I, I guess I have a second related question. Can a practice have more than one at a time? To create our councils, we have set aside some very standard leadership work, and Amy Vandersheer, who's my partner, who will be presenting at the conference, will really be outlining the nuts and bolts of the operations of the council. Um, before this council can be formed, uh, the organization really needs to be committed uh, to this work, thus sanctioning leadership time, thus sanctioning resources to make this thing work. And the organization must be very much uh, uh, involved with patient and family-centered care and looking at patients as being true partners to them in, in the work that's being done. Um, it's a collaborative partnership with patients and families. Um, again, assigning uh, one person to spearhead the initiative, I think, is really key. It organizes us on various uh, levels of, uh, uh, in order to have these councils work really uh, properly. Um, patients can be referred for participation um, by uh, 
uh, folks within the community or by experience from uh, clinicians. Uh, but also, we do a recruiting process. We've had billboard campaigns asking patients to be patient partners so they can sign up on their own volition. But we take applicants, and they must go through an application process, and these applications are, are vetted. We want patients who are good communicators. Um, they're not, we want patients who are not motivated by a personal agenda. That's, that's very, very important. Um, we need people who can see kind of the bigger picture, understand the complexity of medicine, uh, who can work uh, with diverse populations because diversity on our councils is uh, very, very important for us. Um, you know, they just have to be interested in being involved in uh, making healthcare better um, for the patient uh, and for populations as well. Once they are accepted on the council, we, we do a very active training for them, which involves uh, effective communication, uh, HIPAA and, and confidentiality issues. Uh, storytelling is very important and how you can tell a story, so we talk about that in a structured way and then just how the council logistics work. Um, uh, the councils then are really driven by a shared agenda, uh, and that is really key to the collaboration that's that's going on between the organization and the councils as well. Um, and again, in, in regard to your second question, uh, councils can be formed according to specialty or really a broader broader interest. Um, we have councils currently that are in primary care pediatrics. OBGYN, oncology, and then inpatient councils, as I mentioned earlier. Well, how many people might be participating in a council? How large is it? Yeah, our primary care council that deals with a um, – uh, really encompasses a geographic area uh, that is uh, about 200 miles in diameter – um, that has about uh, 14 to 16 patients uh, on it. But there are councils that may be smaller, um, six to eight patients. So it, it varies uh, depending upon the degree of um, the geographic uh, uh, challenge that you have and then also uh, what particular um, uh, part of the organization they will be advising on, such as the ICU or the NICU. Those are a little smaller councils. So how often do these councils meet? Uh, on a whole, they meet monthly, though there can be times in which we communicate um, electronically with them to uh, create the agenda or to uh, get information out about maybe a pressing issue that we may need their input on. Face-to-face, so -face, usually it's, it's going to be once a month. Okay, great. Uh, I'm just trying to visualize this for our listeners, too, and for myself, uh, in yeah. terms of so we've got the patients who are participating in the council. Who leads the meeting? Uh, we usually have a, a facilitator um, who leads the meeting. That facilitator is going to be the patient, and the patient is usually uh, um, the general lead of the council for our primary care council, a patient who I've worked with for the last three years. He's got good communication skills, um, and I work with him in creating our, our shared agenda. We often have a lead on the administrative side as well, and our uh, director of family, patient and family center care, Amy Vandershin, uh, sits on not all the councils, but on some of our councils that uh, are um, accountable to bigger questions across the uh, 
organization. So how is a council similar to or different from a patient focus group, for example? Yeah, a patient focus group I think is more of sometimes a one-way communication. Uh, We've created the agenda, we've created something, and we throw it at the focus group to see what their reaction is. Um, A council, however, is uh, highly collaborative, again, with the shared uh, agenda creation. Uh, We bring uh, whatever issue uh, forward to the council and really work with them in their feedback in creating creating something. Oftentimes, patient focus groups, the measure has already been done, say a marketing campaign or some kind of a, a plan of some sort. And then you get the reaction from the focus group. What we do is at the very beginning level, we have these patients participate. Say we need to create a new care model or we need to address a particular safety issue. We bring the issue there to them and start with them in getting their ideas of how we should uh, address the issue from uh, um, utilizing their patient experience. Uh, We really feel that, that that is an efficient way to go about building what we build within our healthcare institution. So from right off, right off the bat, we're getting that patient uh, perspective. Does that make sense? You, it does. Uh, I guess I was thinking maybe can you give uh, us an example of other kinds of topics that might uh, be uh, prioritized into a council meeting just to make it a bit more tangible for the listeners? Right, right. Well, for example, one of our big our big initiatives, as everybody knows, is there's a big transformation of of primary care. So we needed to really create a new model of how we deliver care from the primary care standpoint. So we, we took patients right off the bat and put them within our committee uh, uh, um, to help build that primary care model. In, in regard to the council itself, we would bring uh, questions in regard to uh, how we communicate with patients utilizing the electronic medical record. We'd say, this is the electronic uh, medical record. We have these kind of tools that are within it. How would you prefer us to use this tool? Um, How would you prefer to get your information? This is the chart, the electronic uh, chart that you can have on your home computer, computer. Help us build the tools within it um, that you think would be of most uh, the most benefit to you and that's been a that's been a lot of work and and many of the uh, patients have really enjoyed helping us build that um, that uh, portal for them that they can use within their own home I know you uh, had mentioned a a few minutes ago that you sometimes uh, uh, establish the agenda uh, through back-and-forth electronic communications. Uh, uh, and I'm just wondering, outside of the meetings, um, is there um, uh, a process for collecting feedback from the council members, or does that all happen within the face-to-face monthly meetings? It, it usually happens within the face-to-face monthly meetings. Uh, we find that, um, you know, the councils, what happens is that they really develop a cohort amongst themselves, and the um, the dialogue that goes on within the meeting, I think, is really important. And and that uh, that idea of being face to face with each other is very very important as well. Some of our folks um, don't util- utilize the computer or utilize um, 
electronic messaging. So that's why we want to make sure as we address these councils that we're able to have everybody have equal access to the question and equal uh, equal participation. Well, that makes sense. So is there a, a specific process that you guys have in terms of how you apply the feedback you get from the councils? Uh, that that is uh that is really critical um to uh our con- our, our our folks on the council feeling like they're really con- uh, uh contributing um when when we uh get uh their information it may be used by senior leadership it may be used by for physician groups whatever the topic might be we bring that to these respective Groups um, and 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 then we need to circle back to the council to let them know what the result of their feedback is. What the result uh, that's very important for their engagement, closing the loop uh, on, on the question. Um, so um, uh, that is something that it takes uh, is very important for us to do. My last question, I believe, would be how you measure success um, in terms of. Uh, patient surveys or other metrics uh, that give you a sense of how well this whole process may be working? Well, for one is participation. Um, Again, we have a large geographic area, and and people continue to drive many miles to participate in the work that we have. So we've had council members uh, present uh, for, uh, you know, uh, the years that uh, have been on the council for all the years that we've had it. Um, so it's really looking at that attrition rate, um, and that really serves uh, as an indicator for us. Secondarily, in regard to the questions that we're asking of them, uh, and many times it's revolving around chronic disease management uh, or patient service, we do measure all those things, and we can bring that back and say, this is a uh, initiative that we started. Uh, this is how it has uh, change the way we deliver care and this is the su- success that we've seen this is what you your this is what you contributed to helping us with that success um and so we can see that we're we're hitting the mark on uh many of these elements that we're being uh, you know we're really accountable for now uh which is quality and service and so uh i i would i would submit that we have um seen those tangible metrics uh, improve as we have engaged patients more. We've been speaking today with Dr. Joseph Bianco, family medicine physician practicing at the Ely Clinic as part of Essentia Health. And Dr. Bianco will be speaking at the fifth annual Patient Experience Summit hosted by Cleveland Clinic from May 18th through the 21st on this topic. Uh, Dr. Bianco, thanks very much for being with us today. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure.